Hello, this is、uh, Dr. Pengsian Chen, the editor in chief of Heart Rhythm. Thank you for listening to this podcast. The September issue is a focus issue on atrial fibrillation. The first article of the September 2023 issue is titled "Novel Functional Atrial Fibrillation Risk Genes and Pathways Identified from Co-Expression Analysis in Human Left Atria." Genome-wide association studies have associated greater than 100 genetic loci with atrial fibrillation, but establishing causal gene contributing to atrial fibrillation remains challenging. The authors used candidate gene co-expression analysis of atrial fibrillation risk variants in human left atrial tissues. 166 AF risk single nucleotide polymorphisms were located in 135 loci. 81 novel genes not previously annotated as putative AF risk genes were identified. Mitochondrial dysfunction. Oxidative stress, epicardial adherence junction signaling, and、uh, sirtuin signaling as the most frequent significant pathways. The authors conclude that candidate gene co-expression analysis suggests significant roles for cellular stress and remodeling in atrial fibrillation, supporting a dual-risk model of AF. Genetic susceptibility. Stability of atrial fibrillation may not manifest until later in life, when cellular、uh, stressors overwhelm adaptive responses. This analysis also provides a novel resource to guide functional studies on potential causal atrial fibrillation genes. The next article is long-term risk of cardiovascular implantable electronic device reinterventions. Following external cardioversion of atrial fibrillation and flutter, a nationwide cohort study. The authors compared 2,582 external cardioversion exposed patients with 12,910 matched patients with a CIED. During a follow-up, one-year relative risk were 1.73 for generator replacement. And 2.85 for lead intervention, and the two-year relative risk were 1.39 and 2.18 respectively. The authors conclude that external cardioversion in patients with CIED is associated with higher risk of generate replacement and lead reintervention. The risks of reinterventions were more pronounced within the first year after cardioversion. Coming up is、uh, influence of monitoring and atrial arrhythmia burden on quality of life and healthcare utilization in patients undergoing pulse field ablation. A secondary analysis of the pulsed AF trial. This study aimed to determine the influence of monitoring strategies on atrial arrhythmia de-、uh, detection and atrial arrhythmia burden. Association with quality of life and healthcare utilization after PFA. The authors found that the pulsed ablation of PFA resulted in zero burden and 69.4% of paroxysmal AF and 62.2% of persistent AF patients. Only paroxysmal AF patients with less than 10% atrial arrhythmia burden averaged a clinically meaningful quality of life improvement. 
Persistent AF patients experienced clinically meaningful quality of life improvements irrespective of burden. The authors conclude that uh, uh, post-fear ablation resulted in a low atrial arrhythmia burden for most patients, which was associated with clinically relevant improvement in quality of life and reduced atrial arrhythmia-related healthcare utilization. Next up is atrial fibrillation in adult congenital heart disease and the general population. The authors performed a retrospective study in the nationwide cohort 2000 to 2014 with atrial fibrillation onset during 2003 to 2014 and found 2,350 patients had atrial fibrillation. Compared with individuals without ACHD, ACHD patients aged less than 50 years and those aged both 50 to 54 and 55 to 59 years exhibited a 20-fold and a 10-fold higher incidence of atrial fibrillation respectively. The authors conclude that compared with individuals without ACHD, atrial fibrillation in patients with ACHD likely appeared 30 years earlier with a 10 to 20-fold higher instance plateauing around age 70. Yet, the instance in individuals without ACHD continued to increase. The next article is mild elevation of extracellular potassium greater, uh, greatly potentiates the effect of a sodium channel block to cardiovert atrial fibrillation, the Lankanu approach. The Authors evaluated the ability of flaconide to suppress acetylcholine-mediated atrial fibrillation using coronary-perfused canine left atrium. The extracellular potassium ranged from 3 to 8 minimal during the study. The authors found that the flaconide alone cardioverted 50% of atria at 4 minimal and 100% at 5 to 8 minimal extracellular potassium. The elevation of extracellular potassium also abbreviated the time to, cardi- uh, to conversion. These findings suggest that a combination of a sodium current block accompanied by mild elevation of serum potassium may be a novel approach to more effectively, rapidly, and safely cardiovert atrial fibrillation and prevent its recurrence in the short term. The above research articles are followed by a contemporary review titled Breathless Nights and Heart Flutters, Understanding the Relationship Between Obstructive Sleep Apnea and Atrial Fibrillation. The authors reviewed the clinical epidemiology and pathophysiology of atrial fibrillation and obstructive sleep apnea, focusing on key clinical studies and the major outstanding questions that should be addressed in future studies. We also have two research letters in the atrial fibrillation focus issue. The first one is Outcomes of Percutaneous Left Atrial Appendage Occlusion Device Implantation in Patients with Rheumatic Atrial Fibrillation. The study cohort included 54,900 weighted percutaneous left atrial appendage occlusion implantation procedures, of which 2,745 or 5% had rheumatic heart disease. They found that patients with rheumatic heart disease may derive similar clinical benefits at the cost of an increase in odds of periprocedural complications compared to those without rheumatic heart disease. 
A second letter is titled "Pulse-Field Ablation versus Single-Caster High-Power Short-Duration Radiofrequency Ablation of Atrial Fibrillation: Procedural Characteristics, Myocardial Injury, and the Midterm Outcomes." The authors prospectively enrolled 115 patients undergoing their first PVI. They found that、uh, uh, pulse-field ablation compared to single-caster high-power short-duration RF ablation. Showed shorter、uh, shorter procedure times, but longer fluoroscopy times, higher high sensitive cardiac troponin T levels, and a similar atrial fibrillation free survival during midterm follow up. The journal also published the following articles that are not focused on atrial fibrillation. The first one is clinical impact of aging on outcomes of cardioneural ablation. For reflex syncope or functional bradycardia, results from the Elegance multicenter study. The Elegance multicenter study assessed cardioneural ablation in patients with reflex syncope or severe functional bradyarrhythmia. Sixty patients underwent cardioneural ablation. Acute cardioneural ablation success was 93 percent, without differences between age groups. At an eight-month follow-up. 53 patients, or 88%, were symptom-free. The authors conclude that cardioneural ablation is a viable treatment for reflex syncope and functional bradyarrhythmia in all ages, and is highly effective in mixed vasovagal syncope. Hip tilt is a key step in post-ablation clinical assessment. The next article is significance of effective cardiac resynchronization therapy pacing for clinical responses. An analysis based on effective cardiac resynchronization therapy algorithm. The authors aimed to clarify the association between percent effective CRT and the clinical outcomes in 136 consecutive patients. Among them, 49 using the adaptive and effective CRT algorithm and the percent ventricular pacing greater than 90 percent were evaluated. The authors divided the patients into the effective group. N equals to 25, and the less effective group N equals to 24, by the median value of percent effective CRT, 97.4 percent. They found that a high percent effective CRT is associated with high CRT responder prevalence and low heart failure hospitalization risk. Next up is factors affecting electrogram sensing in insertable cardiac monitor. Insights from surface ECG mapping analysis. Twelve separate precordial single-lead surface ECGs were acquired for 150 participants at the two interelectral distances, 75 and 45 millimeter, and at three vector angles: vertical, oblique, and horizontal, and in two different postures: upright and supine. A total of 1,800 tracings from 150 participants were assessed. The median P and R wave amplitudes were 45% and 50% higher than with 75 and 45 millimeter vector lengths, respectively. The oblique orientation yielded the best P and R wave amplitudes, while posture change did not affect P wave amplitude. The authors conclude that longer vector lengths and oblique implant angle yielded the best electrogram sensing. And are relevant considerations for insertable cardiac monitor implantation procedures. 
The next one is optimizing diastolic filling by pacing in non-obstructive hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. This study aimed to determine the effect of uh, sequential AV pacing on the diastolic function and the functional capacity of patients with non-obstructive HCM from different RV sites with, uh, with varying AV delays. There was an improvement in diastolic function in 18 of 21 patients when pacing from the RV apex, then from the RV mid-septum and RV outflow tract. Among responders, optimal diastole filling occurred at sensed AV delay of 130 to 160 milliseconds with RV apical pacing. The authors conclude that pacing at an optimal AV delay from the RV apex improves diastole function and functional capacity in a subset of patients with non-obstructive hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Up next is machine learning-powered device-embedded heart sound measurement can optimize AV delay in patients with CRT. This study aimed to develop an estimation model of cardiac function that uses a PSO electric microphone embedded in a pulse generator to guide CRT optimization. In a data set of about 30,000 heartbeats, machine learning indicated S1 amplitude S2 amplitude and S1 integral as most prominent features of AV delay optimization. Machine learning resulted in single-bit estimation precision for absolute values LVP max and LV DP over DT max of 67% and 64% respectively. The authors conclude that the heart sound sensors embedded in a CRT device powered by a machine learning algorithm, provide a reliable assessment of optimal AV delays and absolute LVP max and LVDPDT max. The above research articles were followed by a contemporary review titled Stereotactic Arrhythmia Radio Ablation, a novel therapy for cardiac arrhythmia. In this article, the authors reviewed the application of stereotactic body radiotherapy in cardiac arrhythmia, analyzed its potential problems, and explored methods for improvement. There is a research letter titled Novel Automated Score Mapping of Diaphragmatic Compound Motor Action Potential for Early Detection of Phrenic Nerve Injury During Cryoablation. Score map of the compound motor action potential using template matching with a 3D electroanatomic mapping system can be used to automate the monitoring of compound motor action potential. This study demonstrates that less than 90% score map threshold correlates with a 30% drop in diaphragmatic compound motor action potential amplitude and can be safely and reliably used to, to detect phrenic nerve injury during cryoablation of pulmonary veins. The journal also published a 2023 HRS-APHRS-LAHRS guideline on cardiac physiological pacing for the avoidance and the mitigation of heart failure, and the 2023 HRS-EHRA-APHRS-LAHRS expert consensus statement on practical management of the remote device clinic. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. For Heart Rhythm, I'm the Editor-in-Chief, Dr. Pen Xian Qian.